What's going on, coaches? Next week is a huge week for us, obviously, as we start our very first ever O-Line Hot Summit, all online. You guys can get on there, uh, watch it for free live. We'll have two or three presentations every single day next week, starting Monday, going all the way through Sunday. Uh, you can watch it live. You'll have a live chat option to chat with all the other coaches that are watching. Uh, all that can be done on our website. Go to runthepower.com. Sign up to watch it live for free. You can also right now purchase our all-access pass uh, for as cheap as it's going to be up until Monday, uh, and that price will bump up. You can get the all-access pass, and you can re-watch any of those videos or go and watch any videos that you may have missed this week. So you guys uh, go check all that out at runthepower.com. Uh, we are really, really excited to get that started. This episode of RTP is brought to you by Vices. Vices football helmets are different than other helmets on the market. Their design reduces impact forces by yielding in a collision, similar to a car bumper, a concept so unique that helmet was named one of Time Magazine's top 25 inventions of 2017. The Zero One is the top performing helmet for the third year in a row in the NFL, NFL Players Association testing, and the Zero One is the highest rated five-star helmet under five pounds in Virginia Tech star helmet ratings. For younger athletes, Vices recently launched the Zero One Youth, the highest rated youth football helmet ever tested by Virginia Tech. The Zero One Youth was specifically designed for the speed and impact seen at the youth level. Protect your athletes with the top performing helmets in the game. For more information on Vices technology or to request team pricing or financing options, visit Vices.com, which is V-I-C-I-S, on the web. Vices, protect the athlete elevate the game. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practices by more than 350 high schools and 30 plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play drawing systems and hand drawn cards, go route teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with go route. Learn more at goroute.com by emailing them at sales at goroute.com or just give them a call at 866 777 1448. And make sure you guys let them know that Run the Power sent you guys over. And that's goroute.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both our programs, Broken Arrow uh, and Ankeny for Coach Walls, invested in Guardian Caps this year. Uh, and we really feel like they are helping our guys, especially uh, our guys up front. They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce the impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and thousands of high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and to get some pricing, uh, and they are, are much, much more affordable probably than you would think when you start thinking helmets and helmet covers. Uh, these helmet covers are, are very affordable uh, and are, are great for your players. Uh, go to guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Gabe Fertitta. Coach Fertitta is currently the head coach at Catholic High School of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He has won the state championship in 2015 and 2017 with a runner-up finish last season. Listen as we talk with Coach Fertitta in-depth about all things gap scheme 
including scheme, technique, philosophy, and play calls. You can follow Coach Fertitta on Twitter at Fertitta underscore Gabe. Hope you guys enjoy. I've uh, I've always had a love for the game. Um, I've always been way too small to play it, uh, but I played anyway. Uh, growing up all the way through high school, <laughs> and then um, played played Division three uh, college football at the lowest possible level you can play it at. Uh, played receiver at Mississippi College in in Clinton, Mississippi, and then uh, through a pretty roundabout story. Uh, Got a GA job there when I finished playing, and uh, GA there for for two years doing track and football, and then uh, my very first job, paying job, was as an offensive coordinator at a little 4A school outside of Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, kind of backtrack when I was a GA, I walked in my first day to the GA office and just assumed I was getting ready to sit down and do wide receivers. And uh, I had a really good relationship with our O-line coach. He was also our strength coach. And uh, I walked in day one, and he said, uh, congrats, you're the new O-line GA. And I said, <laughs> I said, whoa, man, hold on a minute. Like, I, you know, I know there's five guys up there. Like, that's really the extent of what I know about what's going on up front. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, it's great. You're going to learn a lot of football doing this, and it'll be great for you. And I, I did it kicking and screaming, and I, I absolutely did not want to do that. And uh, it turned out to be really one of the best things that ever that ever happened to me as a coach. You know, I, I, I learned a lot more about the real game inside the game, you know, that goes on down there. So uh, without having done that, I probably wouldn't have been able to advance the way that I did. And uh, so I did that, uh, offense coordinator. I was 23 years old um, at a 4A school in Birmingham and then um, got the opportunity to go to Catholic High in Baton Rouge and uh, teach English and, and, um, and coach. And they needed a receivers coach, so I was kind of back in my element. Then our O-line coach, he – went into administration and I told the head coach, Hey, I, I can coach O-line. And I don't think he really believed me, you know, I'm five, seven and 150 pounds, you know? And, uh, so I did that and, uh, and enjoyed it. And then, um, got the opportunity to be a coordinator in junior college, um, in Mississippi and, uh, working for that same guy that made me do O-line. And, uh, and that was a great experience. And uh, got the itch to be a head coach. Went to St. Stanislaus in Bay St. Louis in Mississippi. And I was the head coach there for three years. Uh, my second year, we went 0-9. Uh, didn't win a game. We, uh, we actually made somewhat of a national headline because we lost one of our games that year, 82-80. to uh, Wow. Set some records and all kind of stuff in that game. <laughs> and then the very next year, uh, after going 0-9, we went 10-0 and in the regular season. 
Jeez. And uh, won two playoff games. And then we lost to the eventual state champion. We lost to him by seven. Uh, we played them closer than anybody else did in the playoffs. Um, so that, that also kind of, um, you know, made some, made some headlines. And then um, I got the opportunity to go back to Catholic and be the coordinator there. And uh, did that for three years. The head coach retired. And going into my third season now as the head coach there at, at Catholic High in Baton Rouge. Well, Coach, pretty awesome story. I, I have a couple of parallels with, you know, I was a, a receiver in college as well. And uh, and the same kind of deal when when I first got the, the job at Jenks. You know, I, I coached a little bit in college, you know, being with the tight ends, but not really, really digging into it. And and when I got to, to Jenks and got the first chance to work with Dave Alexander, you know, you, you kind of figure out how, how little you do know. You know, you're, you're really, really – Yeah, I've heard you guys talk fondly of him a couple of times on the, uh, on the podcast. He's, he was a stud for me, but he also – you know, he, it was cool because he, he challenged you and he'd hold you accountable. So he'd be like, you know, hey, you, you, could, you could be a good coach, but you, you, need to go, you need to go learn the offensive line. So that's what he, he kind of helped me out, you know, getting on at, at Tulsa. And I knew it was going to be just a one-year gig. I just wanted to to immerse myself and learn from a guy like Denver Johnson, and and it, right, it, it's the same thing that you said. It, it totally opens your eyes to, you know, how connected things need to be on the offensive side. I think if you, if you're going to be a really really good coordinator, the more that you can connect the the pass game and what's going on with the skill kids and the offensive line, it, it's it's worth its weight in gold. And I know the year that I got to do it it transformed me as a coach. It is, man. It, and you'd be surprised too at the number of, of coordinators uh, that, are, that are just so dependent, completely dependent upon their O-line guy. And in, in high school, you know, it's, it's not like you can just go out. We, we recently lost our O-line coach to – he's going to be a graduate assistant at Rice. Mm-hmm. And uh, fantastic opportunity for him, you know. but. You know, in high school, hiring is so difficult. It's not like you just go out and say, oh, this guy's a great O-line coach. I'm going to hire the guy. You know, like you got to have the right academic spot open. The guy's got to be able to teach, you know, something. And, you know, if if as a high school OC, if you are just 100% dependent upon your O-line guy um, and you lose that person, you could be in a world of trouble there for a while if, if you know, you don't have a really good working knowledge of of the uh, the nuts and bolts in that position group. Especially when you're talking about it being, you know, almost half your offense. I mean, five guys for sure. And then if you want to include the tight end, if you play with the tight end, which, you know, I would I would say the three of us that are on this call, we're, we're very pro tight end. Uh, <laughs> in full back. Oh, but yeah, I mean, we're waving that flag for sure. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll carry that flag. We'll, we'll die with it. But, uh, I mean, it, 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 it means so much to your team because it, I, I think, you know, offense and defensive line, it does become the, the heart of your program and you being a head guy, you know, you, you've get to see it firsthand. If you have a glaring hole in that, in that spot and you don't have the right coach, uh, you know, either there or in my other, other opinion is, is a strength coach. If you have that ability, it, it, it makes it super difficult to, to be as successful as you really can be. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's no, no question, you know, and, you know, when we were in junior college, um, the O-line guy that I, that I worked with, um, 
who's who, his name's Alex Atkins, and he's one of the best O line guys I've ever been around. He was our O line coach. He's now the OC at uh, UNC Charlotte. He was the o, he was the O line coach for Tulane most recently. But he and I would joke, you know, that at that level we'd almost rather have a really, really good tailback and just kind of average O-lineman, you know? Like if we were going to have to pick one, have a phenomenal O-line and just an okay tailback, we'd almost rather just have that super dynamic tailback because we could go get that guy, you know? Like we could go find that guy every year and have that person. But in high school, I really find it's the opposite, you know? I would much rather have and build uh, just a dynamic offensive line and we'll just survive at tailback if we have to um you know because you can't always find those kind of guys in your program you know and at catholic we've been really blessed um at tailback at times you know we had darius geis was a was a tailback for us um going way back we had travis minor and and warwick dunn and kevin franklin you know and but at other times, we just those, had those we bad. just had yeah we there I think there was a point where we've had you know eight or nine tailbacks in the NFL but 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 there's other times where we we won our very first state championship in school history um, and we didn't have a Division one signee on the senior class mm. and and then my first year as the head coach uh, we won our second and again you know we didn't have anybody who signed the division one scholarship, but we had some really good offensive linemen that, and defensive linemen that could, like you said, kind of set the tone in the program and uh, just kids that work really hard and, and uh, master the details, you know. Well, you guys are talking about obviously how important it is to know the offensive line. One of the biggest things for me has been, I got unbelievably lucky coming out of college. I get to coach where I did because um, I got to learn all about the offensive line, uh, I mean, from day one. Uh, when I first got hired, our head coach, obviously, David, uh, Coach Alexander, uh, came, you know, hired me and said, look, it's going to be awful for you. It's going to suck to be offensive line coach because I was an offensive line coach and Coach Walls was an offensive line coach. And so uh, it's going to really suck uh, to be the offensive line coach you come in. I found it actually completely opposite, though. I, I think it was the best thing. I could have ever lucked into. And that's all I did is luck into it. Uh, and, and everything I teach and coach now has been completely stolen from, the, you know, 90% of it has been from Coach A and, and, and Coach Walls. You know, and now I've, I've gotten to where I understand enough to where I put my own spin on it and I've, I've made some rules, Certainly. That, you know, to me make a little more sense or, or maybe they do to my guys or, or you know, different spins on it. But um, if I were to come in and, and we are – majority of a power team gap scheme team uh, out of out of college you know we maybe ran a gap scheme play and we ran thousands of plays at Houston we may run gap scheme oh, yeah. you know, 20 50 times my whole career and so if you were to ask me to come in and 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 teach that and then do it with a tight end or a tight end and a fullback <laughs> I'd have been completely lost so yeah, those you're guys on another can, planet now. oh it's a whole different I mean it might as well be a different sport and so I got to be underneath those guys' wings, and, and they're like, well, why aren't you doing this? I was like, I didn't even know that was an option. And so I'm learning all these different things, and it was the best thing you uh, – I couldn't um, – and, and obviously they're two great guys that, that didn't shove it all down my throat and, and weren't 
uh, complete dicks when I messed up and, and knew that I was going right. to growing pains, but I couldn't, um, I couldn't say it enough. If an offensive line coach has the opportunity to go play for, or, you know, go coach for a, a head coach, uh, that's an offensive line guy. Um, and then get lucky enough to where their OC is too. Uh, you can just learn so, so, so much. No doubt. I think, I think one of the coolest things about the profession is everybody has those mentors, you know, like no matter who you talk to, there's especially people who are in, who have been successful and who, you know, are, are advancing in their career, no matter who you talk to, there are people that they credit for their success or the things that they've learned. And I think, I think two of the coolest things about our profession is one, just the mentoring that goes on between coaches and two, the sharing of knowledge. Like, I don't know if there's a profession on the planet that is as open and as um, welcoming of sharing knowledge and information as the, as the football coaching profession is. It really is. It, those are two of the things I think that are just really uh, things. There's a lot of things we don't get right in the profession. Those are two that, are, that we really do a, a great job of. Well, and a great example is is me and you, Coach. I mean, uh, we we hit up on Twitter one day, um, and and you were like, you know, we're a team that runs power and 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 gap schemes a lot. And I was like, uh, awesome. Would you mind sharing some film? And and you said, yeah, of course. And I said, well, I'll I'll share whatever you want with you. And and we that day, I think, or maybe it was the next day, but I think that day uh, shared, yep. you know, upwards of two, 400 clips with each other. And, and now, now we're, you know, that was in one day of meeting each other. And it was just, it's an, yeah. it's an awesome thing. Like you said, how open coaches are to, to, to learn, give their stuff away and, and, uh, be able to learn from other people. It was, it was an awesome, that was just a, a one easy, easy example, uh, uh, to show that. Yeah, no doubt. And now there's, there's Catholic high O linemen who are watching clips of, you know, guys from Broken Arrow skip pulling on power. You know, I mean, we we we've put a couple of those clips into our, you know, install meeting playlists and stuff. It just really, it's neat. You know, and then there might be a clip of that, and then the next one might be a clip of of something we got from the guys at Rice, and the next one might be a clip of something we got from the guys at the Saints. You know, so I mean, it's just, it really is a. It's a it's a neat profession for for sharing of info and and you know guys helping each other grow. Coach, I agree, man. I think you make a great point with with that. It's it's a great insight. You know, you look at businesses and you see so many you know companies that, that you have to sign you know non compete clauses and you can't steal anything from them and they have you know copyrights on the on the things that they do and and maybe it's for good reason. But it's like you said with with football you know, it's all been done before. Everybody just puts a, a little different spin on it, you know, or, you know, we had a different mentor who taught it to me this way and, and that's the way I've learned it. And it just so happens that my kids learn it that way, you know, Oh, Hey, maybe my kids learn it that way. It's, it's so cool yep. to be able to, to sit down and, and be able to speak the same language. I know we're going to get into some gap scheme stuff here in a little bit. And, you know, we might call a little bit different, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, we're all trying to get the same thing done. Keep that ball in a gap and let's go bang our head on the goalpost. No doubt. No doubt. Coach, how did you, how did you get into running uh, power, running heavy gap scheme? I don't know, a heavy gap scheme, but uh, the clips that you've showed 
showed me obviously um, two fullbacks at times and a tailback. Uh, something that oh, yeah. at least in Oklahoma it, it doesn't ever happen. We're we're one of the only teams, at least at the six A level for sure, um, that that are in some of those formations. We don't see it very often. It's it's one of those things where um, you know, like I said, we took a, a pilgrimage down to Rice uh, just because. Again, there's so few. It seems like even college teams, at least around around our area, that are running that stuff. So it it's hard to find. It's hard to see. I I lucked into, like I said, uh, Coach Alexander, who's been around some of that as um, you know in in his days of coaching and in playing. So kind of how I lucked into kind of learning about some of that stuff. But how did you guys get into uh, running that style of an offense? And and I'm assuming in Louisiana, it's it's fairly rare as well, which I, I could be completely wrong. No, it is. I mean, um, you know, everybody here is a bit with the spread bug as well, which I would I would classify what we do, our offense, um, if you were to watch a full game of it, would be that we're a spread team. But um, we use a, a billion formations and motions and shifts and that kind of thing. But probably when I've heard you guys talk about Coach Alexander, I can't help but think about um, my coach and mentor that was a Catholic, um, Coach Dale Weiner was the head coach at Catholic for 30 years um, before I took over. And uh, he's in the Louisiana High School Hall of Fame. He's got 300 and something wins. And just uh, as good of a football coach as he is, it pales in comparison to the, the person and the man that he is. But when I, when I um, got to Catholic, I had been spread. We would run inside zone. We ran some dart, like way, way back in the day dart, you know, like 04, 05 dart not the new Baylor dart, you know? And um, when I took over for him as the O-line coach in my second year, um, Coach Weiner was one of these like old, you know, uh, coaches who had run every play that ever existed on the planet. And he believed there was no reason why we couldn't run every play that existed on the planet in a game. And so I was forced as an O-line coach at that point to learn a boatload of just <laughs> scheme. I mean, midline, veer, and then, you know, we tabled with zone. We ran, we ran power was one of the plays that we ran. And I really liked it, but we never really, like, fully majored in it. So then when I got to Itawamba uh, Junior College in Mississippi and we hired Alex, in the interview, um, I, I was asking Alex about power and I could just like see his eyes light up, you know, like I had just, you know, said something. That, and then he just went on and on about power. And I knew like, all right, this is the dude we need to hire. We got to hire this guy. Like, this is what we want to do. So he and I really expanded our power repertoire there. And then, um, we did it at Stanislaus, but, you know, it's kind of funny it, at the smaller schools, you know, those tight end fullback bodies, they, they can be hard to come by. Um, and so we, we did it, but not near as much, you know, at Catholic because we have so many kids and so many bodies that fit that fullback tight end mode. We really, we really started to the point where, you know, every game it's like, okay, we're going to force this square peg in the round hole. No matter what happens, we're going to run, you know, we're going to run this play. We're going to run power. We're going to figure out a way to do it. Um, and it's been really good for us. And, and then through the course of that, 
it's morphed and changed and we've adapted and done some new and, and different things with the double teams and, and stuff like that. And every year, you know, it kind of, it's like a, it's like a disease, you know, it just kind of morphs and grows and changes and it, <laughs> it, it adapts, you know, to, to what we're seeing year to year, you know. Coach, would you say, I mean, the thing I always liked about power and, and I know when, when, Coach Harper kind of first asked me the question about, you know, hey, you know, why why are you kind of a, a gap first uh, coach? I always thought that, you know, one, it just instilled that mentality in your team. We're, we're, we come off the ball, we hit people, we, we want to, you know, gain yardage and we want to be physical and, and kind of like those body shots wear people down in the fourth quarter. So I, was that, I thought that was kind of, you know, kind of square one. And then square two was, the, the goal line offense and the short yardage offense is already built in. You know, when we yeah. know we got to get one yard. We, we've, we've instilled the mentality and we already have now a play that's, that's, that's locked in to be able to, you know, there's three games where it comes down to, can I get a first down, be it, you know, four minute offense when I got to keep a team off the field or I get a first down to continue a drive and go win. You know, I just thought those two parts were, were huge in the development of a football team. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I saw one of the slides from the um, from the presentation you guys did at the for the virtual summit. You know, and my favorite, my absolute favorite part of that was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, it's a tough-minded play in a soft-minded society, you know, or something <laughs> to that effect. We took and a lot I of flack for that one, Coach. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have, but it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 you know. It, it's it's a mentality and it's it's a uh you know we're this is who we are this is what we're going to do and um i do think though that you can have that mentality or that mindset mm -hmm. but if you don't know how to how to force like the square peg into the round hole it could not work just like our mentality could be we're going to chunk four verticals 20 times a game <laughs> yeah. but there's a lot of coaching that goes into running four verticals you know That's right. and so I do think there's there's nuance in running that play even though there is a sense of sort of that caveman you know barbaric just come off the ball and we're gonna we're gonna mash people I think is great um, but I do think the, the coaches that choose to have whatever that philosophy is, they need to believe in it and then they need to know it, you know? And, and the main thing is they need to be able to fix it when it's broken. That's always been my, my thing about what we do on offense or defense. You know, I could, I could put in the under center triple option beer. Like I can coach that. I know who blocks who, and I could tell you the steps for the QB, but I can't fix that when it breaks, mm -hmm. you know? I can fix power when it's broken, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think coaches, no matter what they do, they got to be able to fix it when it breaks. And if you can do that, then you can hang your hat on whatever it is you're doing, you know? And you talk about the short yardage thing. And if, if power is who we're married to, I kind of have a new mistress going on uh, now. And that's the duo play. Um, man that we've expanded on that play over the last two years and you know it's still in the power family so i don't feel too much like i'm betraying <laughs> you know my, my true you're, love you ain't cheating on her uh, no i'm not but um that's been a great play for us too over the past two or three years in the short yardage area as well 
Coach, yeah, we, we took a lot of, uh, and I say a lot, just a you know, from, from a handful of people, but uh, we took a lot of flack for the, the tough-minded play in a soft society. And, and uh, it was mostly from, I think it was probably from everyone that didn't actually listen to the, the clinic, but um, <laughs> it was, you know, they kind of jumped on us about, oh, you, you guys are saying that kids are soft these days and you're this and that, which wasn't the point of it at all. It, you know, to us, honestly, it, it's a way to empower our own kids. It really is. It's not no question. calling anyone software. I get to go bring my kids in a meeting and say, hey, we're going to be the biggest, baddest dudes around, you know, just which is, in my opinion, kind of the, the heart and soul of a, of a man a lot of times. Kind of how, how, how at one point men were kind of born was, was being the biggest, baddest dude around. And, and that's something that I get to talk about with my guys and, and they start saying it to themselves and they get their own confidence. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the biggest, baddest dude around and we're going to run power and they're not going to be able to stop it. And, and it's really not a demeaning thing by any sense of the imagination. It's all about empowering our own kids to be big and tough and, and, and physical. And, and uh, you know, I think that some people don't like the word toughness, but I think that it's one of the biggest things you could possibly ever learn from football and, and not necessarily – not crying when, when you break your arm. I'm talking about that, the mental toughness and just toughness in general that, that you probably have to have as a man to, to make it through life and have a family. And so uh, it was never yeah. a negative thing for us. It was all positive and all – we use it as a way to empower our guys. And, and our, our group comes together about, you know, being tough and physical, and, and they all love it. I've never seen one negative thing come from it. So uh, yeah. it's kind of disappointing for me to hear people say that. But, um, but, but to – to your other point, uh, being able to fix, you know, a play like power is so crucial. And it's something that, that I've had to learn on the fly. Uh, but it, it really comes down to teams that have stopped me. And so they're not me, uh, you know, not even my offense, but have stopped a play. So then I go back and look at it and I say, okay, why are they stopping me? Why are they stopping this play? And it, and, and yep. then it goes back to, okay, well, is there a playoff of it? Obviously there is. So, that helps me develop some run plays. I want to be able to run off of it that if you're going to do certain things. Um, we're going to be able to, to counter it with this, or are there different ways to block power that, that would take advantage of this? Okay, there is. Yeah. All right. Well then now, how am I going to teach this? How am I going to make it? Do I have to make it a new play. Can I keep it power? How do I rule it up? And to me, that's the, the fun part about it is finding easy ways to rule this up and, and kind of let the kids, take charge of it, but rule it up to where uh, it, it works against these different things and gives us options. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, as you were talking about toughness, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Angela Duckworth fan. I don't know if y'all, if y'all know Angela Duckworth or follow any of her work, but um, yes, she's the, the, uh, the grit, the grit uh, uh, guru, you know, mm. and um, you know, that's in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, everything about our society, not everything. I, let me take that back. Many of the things in our society are encouraging kids to take the easiest, quickest fix route out. You know, I mean, we got I, I get my grocery, not my groceries, but I mean, we get like paper products delivered to our front door by right. clicking a button on our cell phone, you know. And so, I mean, there's a lot. It, and I think kids are looking for chances to be different, you know, and yes. when you put that up there and you tell them, Hey, here's the thing, 
you got every reason to be, to be soft. You know, you got all these things that are around you. You got every reason to take the easy way out and we're going to be different. And kids are drawn to that. You they know, I don't think it. you're calling people, you know, uh, soft or, or, or whatever, but you're, you know, you're, you're being a nonconformist, you know, and kids <laughs> like to, to not conform sometimes and, and in a good way, you know, so I think that, and then, um, you know, talking about the, the, the fixes to the play and all that, that's what, you know, that's what the game is all about, but it takes being a great teacher. I think that's what sometimes gets lost in, in all the X's and O's or, you know, there are people that can block every play to every front, you know, but being able to make that information digestible mm -hmm. to those kids. That's the most and fun being for me. Able to, no question. That that's really where the you know, that's where it really gets it gets fun. And then and then all of a sudden you got kids who've been in your program for two, three, four years running the same system and and then they're telling you like, well, why don't, what if we did X or what if we did Y or mm -hmm. why do we do X instead of Y? And then, you know, they start contributing their own, you know, bit of information and, and, and signature, so to speak, to what you're doing. And then they take a bunch of ownership in it. And those, you know, that's when it becomes really fun, you know, is when that starts happening. When you, you go ahead, Walls. I was just going to say, when you, Coach, when you talk about, you know, your kind of, you know, bite-sized pieces, and, and I'll pose this question to, to Harper, too. You know, what, what are some of your guys' kind of, like, laws of, of power? You know, what are, what are kind of, like, the, the, the overall keys or the overarching themes that you teach those kids first about the play before you really kind of dive into the weeds and get into the guts of it? You want to take that one first, Coach? Or sure, first? sure, sure. I'll take it first. So, so, so my kind of my basic uh, power rules, um, right? Is is it, it's a gap scheme family. Uh, I'm with you, Coach. I, and and I don't know if you're still the, the same way, but you talked about at one point. Uh, you talked about being able to run uh, every play, which we're not every play, but we run a lot. Most people would look at our our amount of plays and different types of plays and think that it's too much for a high school, which. It hasn't that, that hasn't proven to be the case, but um, uh, I, the way I try to keep those digestible is group them all into schemes. So we got three schemes: uh, man scheme, zone scheme, and gap scheme. And so uh, our gap scheme is is all of our. Uh, it's got a base rule to it that number one. Uh, and I actually just gave a quiz on this today because because we've uh, we all use this the same website. And so I gave them a, my kids a quiz today. I'll have to go look at it, but. Uh, the very first thing they should know, your base rule about any gap scheme is step with your inside foot and block your inside gap. If, if all, all goes to hell and people are walking around and blitzing and shifting and motioning and moving, and which they'll do quite a bit against us, hey, step with your inside foot, block your inside gap. So that's kind of our number one. So I'll, I'll do that, install on power. And then uh, the, the last two things that are the most crucial to me are we've got to get huge movement on the double team. We want to get movement on the double team. That's, you know, we've got our post player and our drive player. And the drive player's whole goal is get movement on the double team. Um, I always tell them, if you can get him three yards back, we get a three-yard play no matter what. And so that's, a big, that's a, big, um, a big thing to us. And then third is, and I think it's undercoached by everyone, oh, a bunch of people that I've ever heard talk power is our guard, our pulling guard must kick the linebacker out. I know some guys teach – on that outside shoulder and 
And I think there's different probably powers, different ways to run it. But the way we're going to run it, it's going to be a gap um, or at least, you know, I've had guys like, well, what do you do about a three technique? You're still trying to get it up inside of a gap. And, and then I show them film and say, no, a lot of those times our double team is going to move that three into uh, where, you know, past where originally a gap was. So technically, you know, I guess you're saying it's inside the guard. It's not, but to us, it's still a gap path. Um, but uh, it's crucial to us for the running back to know our guard is going to kick out the linebacker. We're going to put our outside shoulder through his inside hip every single time. And so those are our, our three big things. And, and I don't see that coached enough because uh, in my opinion, it'll, it allows the running back to really clear his head. Our biggest problem was running back was, was balancing power. So I go back, look through all those clips. Well, half the time our, our, uh, our offensive lineman's hitting, got, hitting his linebacker in different places. And we're telling our running back, don't bounce it. Well, our, our guard, you know, hit his outside shoulder. And, yeah, technically there's a lot of coaches that say, yeah, but he's going to stay in his gap, and so he's going to, um, you know, widen. Well, if he doesn't, now, now it's bad, right? And now they're going to scrape and, and do all of this stuff. And so uh, to us, it's, we, it's mandatory. You've got to kick that linebacker out. Uh, and so that's really helped our running backs stay in a gap, stay in, under, underneath that. And what we see is a bunch of linebackers, you know, scrape, fall over the top, uh, over pursue, and, and we hit it up underneath it. Same thing with safeties. They're going to play down and see gap, and we're going to hit it in A. And, okay, you can have nine in the box, but if they're all playing C gap, it doesn't really help you much. And so um, that's kind of my big three, uh, Coach Walls. But, uh, Coach, I'd, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, kind of what you, how, how you first install it or what your big keys are to it. Yeah, you know, um as you were talking about the, the puller, um, I went to a clinic, I, I spoke at the clinic and then I was, I was listening to the new O-line coach at Texas tech, uh, coach farmer. Hmm. Um, and he was talking about power. He was at Utah state. And, uh, one of the things that he was showing was the patience of their puller to ensure that they, pull right, hit right. You know, if they're pulling to their right, they hit with their right shoulder and force the ball to stay in the A-gap. And while we were teaching that, I really think when you said there's a lot of people who, who undercoach that part of it, you were talking about me for, hmm. for the past two or three years because we were telling our guy, hey, go screw to screw, you know, on that linebacker when we pulled. And I'm watching him talk about you know, and we force it in the A-gap too. And I'm watching him talk about it and show the clips. And I'm thinking, you know, we really ought to tweak just a little bit this coaching point that we have for this pulling guard. And, uh, and so all through our install meetings over the past couple of weeks, um, that's been a big point of emphasis for us on power. And guess who's been showing whose clips have been popping up in the install meetings? <laughs> Utah State and broken arrow, you know, so <laughs> man, it's, it's so cool to hear you even say that because that's what we've been. That's one of the things that I think we needed to do a better job of every now and then we were getting it spilled by those linebackers who were putting their hat inside the puller right. and then the ball would spill to a support player. Um, so that is one of the big focuses for us this spring is um, kind of like the defenses teach tackling is near leg, near shoulder when we yeah. go in there, um, kicking out the linebacker on the puller. But just like you said, you know, it's a gap scheme play and having the kids understand what that means. And I think just it, it, I mean, it verbatim just about what you say is 
you know, if all else fails and you don't have any clue what to do, block down. Step with your foot away from the direction of the play and block the man in the gap opposite the direction of the play. And we can at least get back to the line of scrimmage and run another play. Right. Um, And I think starting with that helps them conceptualize the play. And then just like you said, the movement on the double team. And I think what's so, what's so cool is you guys on y'all's double team are mauling people and crushing them. And, and, and your movement is, is, is somewhat vertical based. You know? right. And then when you watch our clips, we get a ton of movement on our down guy too. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we really get a bunch of movement, but ours is more lateral. Right. You know? And, and both work. Yes, um, exactly. Well. What do you, Absolutely. what do you, what, what do you prefer to teach? And um, for us, that double team, the double team that, so in 2012, after we lost every game, we went 0 and 9. I set out on a mission to like never have that happen to me ever again. And I just, I took one, one day a week for about 12 straight weeks in the off season or two, sometimes I would do two or three in a week and I would just watch any clinic talk I could find. And I would just take as much, many notes as I could take. And I just, I went overboard and I didn't have kids at the time either. So that let me do that. <laughs> yeah, that's but, right. Uh, <laughs> that helps. I ran across, I ran across this guy from Stanford talking about this new way they were blocking their double team on power. And it was Bloomberg. And I'm watching it and I'm like, man, this makes, this makes, he was talking at the cool clinic that year. And I said, man, this just makes a ton of sense compared to what we had been doing. Right. And we switched to it. I bootlegged the clinic talk. I got it onto our huddle account and (laughs) I, and I showed it, you know, showed it allegedly, I showed it to (laughs) our kids and, um, and boom, there you, there we go. And all of a sudden, man, the power play just really took off for us because of the way. So one of our key pillars to that play is that double team, the high leg with the driver, you know, the postman for us is very similar to the postman for you guys, except for once he hit, feels the driver hit him, he's trying to torque the, he's trying to torque the three technique. If Into you know, his inside gap. Front. Mm-hmm. Correct. He's trying to torque it down the line. So, so essentially, um, instead of what we had been doing, which was both guys kind of moving towards the three technique and the physics of that saying they were working against each other a little bit. Now we're both working the man down the line of scrimmage. Right. And uh, that's, a, that's a huge. And now we started trying to find ways to do that in inside zone. But any way we can find a way to high leg, and we call it a cardinal because we stole it from Stanford when they were there. <laughs> but any way we can try to find a, a, a way to high leg a combo and knock our down shoulder into the hip of the D lineman and yep. displace him, we try to find any way we can to do that. And uh, of course, now, you know, we're all kind of starstruck because our O line coach is a GA for Bloom at Rice, you know. So. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of come full circle for us. Well, I love that you say that because uh, same thing, but kind of opposite for us. But like you said, our, our double teams are a little bit different. Um, we do have the, we do block it like that against odd when we go our one back power only with the the nose. 
uh, because that linebacker yeah, yeah. scrapes so hard off the top. So we're gonna go. The, we're gonna throw that in the center. Exactly. So yep. we're gonna you know post with both hands at the center, and then as soon as he feels the guard hit the nose's hip, he's gonna torque he it across. Torque the hell and it's it. it's yep. worked great for us. But uh, as you it's talked awesome. about the double team, uh, you know you guys try to do the throw over with that two or that three, um, and then you try to. Do, try to work that in the zone, we're doing the exact same thing, and I think it's been one of the best things for us. Not the torque, but like you said, we're going to be more vertical movement. So I try to teach it almost the exact same way on the backside of inside zone. That way, right. uh, yeah, we're, we're technically now stepping on our play side foot instead of our inside foot. But as, if you look at the footwork, it all looks almost exactly the same. Very, now, very now, we're getting, now we're getting 1,000 reps at both backside of inside zone and our gap scheme if those can marry up how you block those uh it allows you to uh get better at both those double teams at the same time and then like you said now let's work into some other things that we can add in uh that aren't just inside zone and power i i think one of the hardest things to teach high school linemen is that postman on if it's inside zone and he's given backside help or if Mm -hmm. it's gap scheme and he's the postman front side to to step with that foot away from his help, so to speak, first and not lose ground and not go forward to where he's on different levels with the double team. Yes. To have the kid step up and step right back down where his foot was and then put his second step through the crotch of the down lineman mm-hmm. is one of the most difficult things to teach young linemen how to do because what have they been told their whole life as linemen you know like run off the ball fire off the ball and step at the defender you know, go run yeah exactly um which is why I, to this day if i have to go wash cars or do something no matter where i'm at and i don't plan on ever leaving catholic because i absolutely <laughs> love it but I, I have to have a crowder sled for no other reason than to teach that block i mean and and you know, we, the coaches, we all kind of have a running joke. If we pull up to play somewhere and maybe we don't really know the team all that well or whatever, if you pull up and they got a crowd or sled in the back of the end zone, you might be in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, coach, I think another, another difficult one uh, on that is that second step. And I think it's one of the ones, like you said, that, that gets very, I don't think it gets coached as much as it should um, mostly because I always hear coaches talk about don't cross over. You know, the, the biggest problem everyone always sees is is it looks like the the uh, your guard, if we're going to say a three technique, it looks like yeah. your guard's crossing over. And so everyone's yelling at the guy, don't cross over, don't cross over, don't cross over. And uh, from all the studies I've uh, that I've watched film, and the thing that's helped us the most is none of those guys are trying to cross over for the most part, but they don't get that second step in the ground before contact. And if you don't do that and you're collisioned with it still in the air, there's like a hundred percent chance that you're going to cross over. And so, yeah, you got nothing on the ground. Exactly. Now you're trying not to fall. It's a mandatory crossover. And so uh, for us, the biggest key, uh, once we get that first step down is we've got to get that second step, like you said, in the crotch, but it's got to be down on the ground uh, because I've just seen too many young guys cross over because it's not. Yep. What do you guys, when you guys are, are teaching that, I mean, are, are there certain terms you guys use for that? Or is it just, hey, we're just working post footwork? Or is that something, you know, like I know when Denver taught it, Denver called it a settle step, and then you're going to stake him off with the second step. So he, he right. called it we, settle stake. I don't know. What, what do you guys use for the terminology on that? We stole the term from, from Bloomgren and them, and we just call it jab and crotch. 
So okay. the, that first step is jab, you know, and the second step we, we call crotch, you know, to emphasize that it's, it's got to go vertical and it's got to get into the crotch of the D lineman. You know, I was at Tulane visiting them and, and their O-line coach, a young guy, but man, keep this guy, Cody mm-hmm. Kennedy on your radar. He's a heck of an O-line coach. Um, he called it a timing step, you know, he, that first step, you know, uh, which made a lot of sense too, you know, like, why am I taking this step? I'm taking this step to time my second step as the blow delivery, you know? Um, so, I mean, I've heard it called, if you've heard it set a lift, mm-hmm. um, you know, but we use, we use the term jab and crotch when we're talking about it on a power postman uh, double team. That's something I don't think I do a very good job of walls is, is having different names probably for every different step, just because um, it never made sense to me when I played. And so um, I've always been bad about if it didn't make sense to me, I'd never really got real into it, but um, I've, you know, I've kind of gone to the uh, minimalist and, and gone with the position and power step, but that's, that's always our first two steps. But if it's, you know, uh, power with a three, your position and power step are going to be a little different than if he was a, a two technique. And so I don't, I don't necessarily yeah. have names for him, but, but I kind of wish I would. And there's times where it would make it a lot easier to have names for him. And so it's, it's something that kind of these next two off seasons uh, that I'm, I'm in the market for to, to try to figure yeah. out. I think one thing it does is it just helps your communication when you right. go to do like a, a drill work, you know, like, you know, if you're going to send, some guys, you know, like we will have to send a group, you know, half of our O-linemen go work on something while the other half are doing, you know, something with the coach. And you say, hey, go work jab and crotch on the Crowder. They know exactly what you're talking about. Right. You know, and instead of having to say, you know, go work the postman on the double team for power when he's in a three technique, you know. I think <laughs> right, that's just, what we've got to do. Think, like you said, it'd be I so think, much I think if nothing else, it helps you do that. But I'm kind of with you. Like, I mean, you can name steps all you want. But, yeah. um, you know, that, that seems like a very – and I hate to say this, but it seems like a very, like, 90s O-line coach thing to do is to name every single solitary step that a kid could ever <laughs> possibly take, you know. I think we've grown as O-line coaches from that, uh, from that kind of mindset, you know, to where we are now. It always made me so mad because uh, uh, we would do tests or they would ask me, the line coach in college, and I, just because his name made no sense to me, I never remembered it, but I could tell him, oh, it's this step. I step here and then get my second one here before he, gets, uh, before he makes contact with me. And he'd be like, yep. no, remember, that's called, a, yeah. that's called a Sharpie step. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever you want to call it, man. I, cool. I obviously know what it is, and I'm thinking about it, right? Well, this dude across from me doesn't care if it's a Sharpie <laughs> step or an Expo step. He's just trying to whip my butt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, no, I, I completely agree. That's why I'm looking for names for it, coaches, because it would make it so much easier to say, hey, you guys, go. we're going to work, you know, uh, jab crotches today, and, and then already kind of know it. Right. So that's kind of uh, why I'm looking for it um, going into it. So, um uh, the other thing, Coach, I wanted to kind of spill into was you did mention, um, you know, you guys have, have also run quite a bit of duo, and you sent that over to me as well. And and some of the clips I saw, uh, for whatever reason, I, I'd start thinking I think duo, and I think like uh, fullback kicking out, and we're doubling to the to the play side linebacker. Um, but some of your duo clips, and, and maybe I just saw the wrong clips, so please. No, you saw it. 
but it was it was it was almost like power, but no puller. It was fullback kicking out, second fullback wrapping uh, as the play side guard, but your whole front got to just block uh, their backside gap. Yeah, so we two years ago we started experimenting with it a little bit, and mostly as like a heavy lineman, um, unbalanced, short yardage you know, under center package. And we liked it. And um, I told our O-line coach, I said, uh, um, uh, Coach Grimes was the O-line coach at LSU at the time. And I knew that they were, they have, they were a year or two ahead of us in running it. And uh, I told our O-line coach, go over there to Coach Grimes and tell him, tell me everything you know about duo. You know, that's your job. Find out everything you can, become an expert in it, and then come back and teach it to me. And let's try to expand on it. That's awesome. So he did, and uh, Coach Grimes, you know, laid it out for him. Ended up interviewing him for a GA job. I almost lost the guy that time, um, uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, which would have been awesome. But um, so we started expanding with it, and what we what we started doing was, you know, it is it is. Um, you know, hey, fullback kick out double double teams and all that, and then the most basic version of it, you can do that. But what we found that we started doing was we liked that combo so much—the lateral gap combo yes. mm-hmm. so much that we try to find, like I was saying, as many ways in our different schemes, uh, inside zone power duo, to to put it in there. So instead of these double teams being really vertical and quick because they're to play side linebackers. We started trying to find ways to still call duo, but, but account for the front side linebacker with a fullback and kick with maybe another fullback. So some of the clips that you saw were sort of the morphing of um, where we went with duo in the spread stuff. Um, And so now you don't have to worry about the front side linebacker with the front side double team. You can work that double team back just like you would on power. But instead of pulling the guard, you got an extra gap to gap down with. And I think the thing that people, I think the thing in duo that people kind of miss is, yes, it's basically tight zone the other way, but the nuance in the play is in the backside, the backside guard and the backside tackle is where there's some nuance that's a little different than if you were to just tell your lineman, hey, block tight zone the other way. So you get that on the backside, you get that benefit. Uh, you're not pulling the guard, and then you get the benefit of that double team that we really like on the front side, and now you're using you're using a couple of – and one of the guys we used in some of the clips you saw was just a really tough receiver that we had. And we just bring him in and – and bring him from outside the box in. And one of the things, too, we found was we could start really wide in a very spread set and then bring a bunch of people into the box. And generally, the defense didn't adjust enough. You know, they would adjust, but they wouldn't have adjusted near the way they would have had we just started in that big set. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we did a lot of that, too. And uh, it really expanded what we've been doing in duo. So it's been a it's been a really good play and it'll probably keep expanding for us as you know as we keep kind of changing and growing what we do 
Coach Klink used to always say he was our D coordinator at, at VA, and anytime he th he thought you could go, you know, from from one back to two back when you you change that look for defenses, he he always thought that made things really really difficult. So especially if you were in like eleven personnel, and now you could go to you know kind of a quick twenty one, it just it just changed up the fits for defenses and, and gave them a lot of problems. So I think you're you're speaking some some good language there, especially you know some of these teams that you know, start out in some spread looks and you still want to be able to, to, to balance out things in the box. Having, having some of those wide receivers that can, that can play a little bit of hybrid or having, you know, even better, a, a big tight end or, or H-back who can also, you know, go out and do some things in space. It, it really, really makes gap schemes get to be really fun when you start, you know, double yeah, swapping. Yeah, it does. Double swapping. It does. Thing. And oh, adding, yeah. Adding oh, yeah. Hats. I mean, I, I tell you what, that, that stuff gets me real excited. <laughs> you know, as a as a as a control freak OC, when I very first started calling plays, my biggest fear was like, why would we why would we shift? Why would we put people in motion? Like, I want to know exactly where everybody is. Right. Don't move. You know, that was always my biggest fear. And um, you know what I found that what we're doing now is you know through the scout film try to find the code, you know, if you can crack the code of the defense, then if you just watch in a previous game, how they react to a tight end trading, mm -hmm. you know, and is there a set rule for that defense when the tight end trades? Okay. And if you can find that set rule and then maybe the set rule for how they react to, you know, a, a doubles formation as opposed to a three by one, and you can kind of piece together some of those clues you can get them to to automatically check to something and then vastly outnumber them and still know where they're going to be. You know, it takes a little bit of studying, but um, it takes some of the guesswork out of, you know, what used to really worry me, which was well, what if they're not where we hope they're going to be? You know, that, that always was what kept me from doing some of that. Yeah, we use it a lot at Broken Arrow, and and for the same reasons, Coach, just because it it gets so many defenses to either you know kind of auto check or uh, it, the best they they're gonna flip their entire defense, and I love when they do that. Oh, that one's great. That you one's know, a fun one. They, they, you know, they're those four two five guys that are gonna you know whatever, or uh, they've got a strong and a weak side, and so every single player on the field's flipping, and and it, it's awesome those to see that. Yeah, or like you said, you know, they don't bring enough guys in. What I've always really wanted to be able to do, and I, and I haven't been able to talk anyone into it just yet, and, and I get that it's a lot harder at high school, but um, and I'll, you'll laugh I probably when I say the name, but I've always watched Larry Fitzgerald, and the coolest part to me about him, obviously a great receiver, but is how much they use him in the run game. And so they can go 11 personnel, bring him in, and I've seen him run uh, like ISO or – Backside no Iowa, kidding. you know, inside zone lock with him on the backside, or um, yep. you know, kind of let him do a a, a kind of a, a inside zone seal, um, or or you know, kind of motion him at the wing, and and then don't ask him to do too much crazy stuff, or or maybe the ISO is just up to a safety, but um, to be able to do that with him and it look like eleven personnel, especially if a team wants to really personnel you, um, it allows you to to get into some of these big formations, and as long as you don't ask him to do too much or you're you're asking him to do it to the to a um, depending on you know what what a team has at linebacker or at defensive end, um, it, yep. it allows you to do so much more. I think uh, you know all the rage 
right now is these tight formations, these uh, tight bunch and, and squeezed formations like the Rams have been doing in the NFL. And if you have those hybrid type guys, those guys are so much closer to the action that they can factor into your run game, you know, and those guys can end up being, like you said, it's, it's the zone insert play and it's a receiver coming in there to insert, you know, I mean, that's, and it's the same guy that could run, you know, a, an arrow route and stretch the defense horizontally to the sideline. Like that's tough. That's some of Walls' favorite formations right up his alley. Yeah, I, <laughs> and and not to mention too. I mean, with with defenses, you know, getting sleeker and faster and and playing some more odd fronts or tight fronts or whatever people want to call it. You know, and I think, you know, the 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 new rage with everyone going to the Iowa State three safeties. You know, I, I think your your matchups are, are just fine by getting some of those bigger receivers in there and, and guys that have that yeah. mentality to you – know, you, those guys can block outside linebackers. I'm not going to ask them to block, you know, Reggie White or Javon Kurse. You know, um, <laughs> that's just bad coaching. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask them to block a 200-pound outside linebacker. And my, my, my receivers now are, are pretty close to 200 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's uh, – I think that's where it's going. You just look at the Patriots, you know. I mean, they've – Everybody else is going wider, and meanwhile, they 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 started going tighter, more twenty-one personnel, and you know, I mean, I just think that's part of the natural, you know, flow and and evolution of the game, you know. Um, but you talk about the the tight front and uh, and the fours and the four eyes and stuff, and that's what we're starting to see just a ton of, you know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely trickling its way down. Um, in the high school as well and of course was, if you want to stop power you know throw a four eye in there and see what happens you know that's got to be that's got to be a pretty easy throw over for you guys though right doing the uh the, the throw over technique if he's a four eye it's already I mean take a little bit of a, an inside step with your tackle and it should be a pretty easy um throw over for your tight ends yeah well you know the the um the thing we've kind of run into is we we run a ton of tight end off the ball uh, power. Yeah. and um and then when it's when it's like um you know an odd front then the question is am I going to help the tackle with the guard you know and then the center is going to be on his own or am I going to help the center with the guard and then the tackle ends up kind of having to be on his own on the four eye and that that beat that hurt us two years ago and mm. uh we just set out this year to like we're gonna figure out a way to not let that hurt us <laughs> and um man we started doing this stuff with the fullback comboing with the tackle inside out on power and man it's one of the coolest things that we've done in a long time it mm. uh it really it really threw some of the defenses that stopped power against us, you know, two years ago, it kind of threw them for a little bit of a loop because it was a, it, it let us combo with the guard on the nose and get a double team there and still get a double team on the four eye with no tight end in the game, you know, the off the ball fullback guy, um, coach Davis, our line coach, the one that's at Rice. Uh, if you guys do X and O labs, um, he wrote an article for X and O Labs on it, and uh, man, people have been coming out of the woodwork asking about it. Um, mm. But it was pretty—it's been pretty cool, and we've we've since expanded on it. You know, we're experimenting with all kind of new ways to try to do that in the spring. So, how tough I'm was sure that? Double team. Ninety percent of coach. them won't work. 
<laughs> you know, because it, it uh, sounds it sounds difficult just from from the thought of it, but obviously you guys put it in and 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 rolled with it. Were really there anything not, you guys uh, kind of learned from it that that helped you teach it? One of the things was, you know, in most of these odd front structures, like the question is, where's the overhang? You know, like who, where is that guy going to be? Mm-hmm. And when the overhang is down on the line of scrimmage and you're trying to to work that combination out to that overhang, you got to have something to to control his eyes for at least a split second so he doesn't knife in and, mm-hmm. and stop the play before you can ever get to the A gap. So we put speed sweeps in front of him or, or fakes with the QB, you know, uh, running backs running across them, fakes and QBs running it, things like that. But in terms of coaching it, um, we really don't overcoach that part of it. We tell the tackle just base drive that guy. Take a take your base drive footwork and drive the man vertical and leave the fullback about a quarter of a man of meat hanging. And the fullback just comes in. If it was power to the right, and the fullback is coming in right leg, right shoulder, and just putting everything he's got into the hip of the fore eye. Mm. And then when the tackle feels it, he's torquing it just like the guard or the center would, you know, when you're torquing it the other way. It's kind of like a combo being torqued out, you know, instead of torquing it in. And uh, it's been really good. And now this, this spring, we're going to work it in odd front with the guard and tackle on the front side of inside zone. So the guard is going to high leg towards the tackle. The tackle is going to base block the four, and then we're going to try to knock the the hip of that guy over and torque him uh, to the, to, to the outside overhang guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you're always kind of tweaking and adjusting and, maneuvering a little bit just like the defenses do you know i mean they they evolve and then we have to evolve you know that's what makes it kind of neat i know when when i went to nebraska coach austin um they they would spend you know segments of time on that because just knowing that that four eyes can give you a problem you know especially if you haven't worked it enough so i think you know most days they would have at least a five minute segment where they're working like you'd said if they're comboing versus a four eye. So, you know, it'd be a tag, tackle and a guard, and and they'd just be making what they call a stab call. And it'd be it'd be the same thing that you're talking about, how the, the tackle's gonna be thick on the four eye and the and the guards picking up the the you know the the meat hanging off the bone and working to an outside yeah, guy. Yeah. So they'd be be working that technique and then also the same thing when the dude walked up on the line of scrimmage, you know, knowing the four eye's gotta be going underneath. So now it could just be your regular fan call. So they right, right. a whole segment of that. And then also while, while they're working on, on one side, the other side, the, the assistant line coach is working uh, the, the solo block where the, the tackle's got to handle the four eye and they, they just call it the displacement block. And yeah, that, that is a tough it. block. That it's, is a, that is such a difficult block. It's a, it's a tough block. And I think that's why they liked working it every single day because like kind of giving those guys some confidence, like, Hey, if you can block this guy, you, you can block just about anything. And I, and I know yeah. in, in being able to talk with, with Coach Austin for the, the couple of days that we were there was, you know, same regular footwork, you know, whatever angle it, it takes you to, to get on. But they really taught that backside hand. So if I'm, if I'm blocking him down to the left, my right hand was really trying to get into that dude's armpit 
because that four eye is yeah, going to kind of lift and lift yeah. and torque it. Yeah. yeah, because he's going to, you know, he's going to take on half of me. He's going to get two hands on and his arms are going to get extended. If I can get my hand up underneath his pads and I want to get it right in his armpit, and it's like you said, torquing it and then lifting it, they felt like now I could get that dude off balance and I can at least now displace him and then get that lateral movement where he's at least on the line of scrimmage and I could hopefully push and move him down into a gap. And, and now we could clean it up. The, the second thing they did then, and you guys have already talked about it with your pullers, is, is if I'm getting movement on the nose and, and we're still pulling tight, if, that, if there's still meat hanging off on that four eye, we're taking that puller and he's cleaning the thing up. No doubt. Yeah, so we, we even started making a call from the t- – if the tackle knew he was going to be on his own with a four eye on the front side of power, uh-huh. he, would, he would relay a call down to the backside guard to let him know, like, essentially what the call meant was, That's hey, awesome. there's probably going to be some meat hanging. I need you to clean this up on your way to the front side linebacker, you know. Um, I mean, you can we and we coached it all the time, you know, swab color or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, but but it helped the guard to know like before he ever pulled. All right, the tackle just told me, yeah, he's probably gonna he's probably gonna have meat hanging when I get there, and he knows to to just bang it with his shoulder before he works up. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. That's that's awesome stuff. Yeah, such an important thing for that guard to be able to do. Um, and, and Coach, I'm kind of curious to, to hear your uh, thoughts about pulling with the guard. Like I said, we, we make a big deal about it. And then also like being through the inside hip. And, and another reason for that is, is I think we can go full speed. And, and with that, I've also got to say, well, if they, you know, I don't want to say juke. It sounds like a two-year-old talking. But if they juke you to your outside and you completely whiff, well, I've got to be – fairly okay with that and say our running back's going to hit it up underneath you that way it, it gives them the ability to go full speed like a fullback uh, but I'm kind of curious I don't have any great uh, I guess pulling drills for them you know I'll, I'll do a couple of drills where I have two guys lined up and, and kind of show them how to stay tied off of it and let them use their outside shoulder through an inside hip on a bag but um, other than that a lot of times the, the way those guys learn is just by getting a ton of reps at it uh, you know, pulling in practice and, and, and uh, inside and in team and practice. Uh, do you guys have any, any good pull drills or anything you guys like to work that, that you think really benefits your pulling guards? I don't know. I'm kind of like you. I mean, we, we work it every day. The, the big joke uh, for our O-linemen is, you know, the bell rings to end school and they're headed out to practice and, and me and the O-line coach are asking them, you know, like, hey, why aren't y'all skip pulling yet? You know, like, so we start, you know, we start practice every day with a skip-pull drill. And it's essentially like you're talking about. One of the things we do add to it, though, is we skip-pull our H's, you know, our our off-the-ball tight ends on counter and on, like, zone insert when they're coming across the the formation, uh, they skip-pull. Really? So we have them all, we have them all skip-pulling in a line so like the guards are skip pulling but behind them might be two more h's also skip pulling and we we do have like a a man there to either uh like show them it's kind of hard to explain but to show that it's going to go a little wider and so they use their hands to feel and they work a little bit wider you know, because of maybe the the down block or whatever, or is it insert? You know, like are they skip pulling and then there's the 
because I think one of the difficult things to teach them is like, they all want to know, like, where do I insert on this thing? And there's really no, I mean, you can't, there's no definitive place to tell them. It's a, you know, you kind of just get in where you fit in, you know? Right. And I think, I think they, I think they have to learn that through a lot of reps, but you can somewhat replicate it. I think in the drill work by having that guy show across their face. All right. It's a little wider or having that, split to where they pull up inside you know and one other thing I think on the skip pole that y'all were t- that you're talking about though is I think the timing matters in other words yes and I don't, I don't and I think everybody's everybody's power is different but thinking about it from our perspective and I'm worried about the shoulder thing like I'm worried that we're going to go in there and throw the old middle school shoulder at the guy and he's just going to sidestep us and I think that if that happens late in the down, you're okay. Right. But I think if that happens very early in the down and the back's not there yet, you could be in a lot of trouble. So one of the things we're also going to really emphasize is the patience of the skip puller to not skip pull and just go hauling and butt up in there right away, like being patient with their footwork as they work laterally so that. A, we're not having to block the guy for a long period of time. But B, if we do drop the shoulder and try to near leg, near shoulder him, and he just sidesteps us, as long as that happens right as the back is passing me, I'm good. But if the back's still a yard deep in the backfield, that could be trouble, you know. So I think the timing of how the back gets to the place where the skip puller is, that's going to be a big that's a question mark for me in the spring changing to essentially the way you guys are skip pulling it now where you're forcing it with the same leg, same shoulder as the direction you're pulling. Right. And that's something I haven't even thought about. I just, I've watched plenty of clips of them jump out of the way. And, and like you said, now that I, I think of, of by you saying it, yes, our timing is what makes that um, able to happen. Where it okay. yeah. It's okay. Cause we're hitting it quick enough uh, underneath it that he can't, uh, replace back underneath so uh, that, that's exactly right I, I've never heard of and and maybe I just I don't pay much attention but you ha- having that H skip pull uh, but I really really like that idea what um, are you teaching it the exact same as you would um, to your guard exactly the same I mean uh-huh. we we sat there and looked at it and we're like you know why would we ask the guard to skip pull and lead on the second level but but we're okay with the tight end turning his whole body then getting turned back around in the hole and all that. So anytime they come across, like if we're running the duo, what we call duo Bob, where they're mm-hmm. going to account for the front side backer and they're coming from across the formation, they skip pull. It keeps them square. Um, it, it keeps their eyes dead straight ahead. I think it's now really going to help us that we're emphasizing the shoulder. It'll keep their shoulders to where they can near leg, near shoulder the guy when they get there. It helps them see the, you know, the development of the play. If it's counter, for example, it'll help them see, you know, when the thing gets logged, even though we tell them we're never logging it, you know, when they squeeze the hell out of us, it ends up logging anyway. But it helps them to see all of that happening just like it would for the guard you would tell the guard to do the same so we just we started doing that our h's they love it um you know they they Mm. they've never wanted to go back to the to the old way 
Yeah, we we changed ours up too. I, I don't let them open up either. Uh, I have to coach it now too because we, we play with you know a lot of. You know, we actually will play with some ten and eleven, but we had a bigger receiver, and and he was a, a basketball player. So I would just tell him I wouldn't teach him all you know the the funky you know footwork with the the skip pull. I just told him his defensive shuffle. So he's like, yeah. Oh, I got it. So he he just he. Just I mean, isn't it. that what it ends up looking like for most of them anyway? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you teach exactly. them all this footwork, and then so, when they do it and they're comfortable with it, that's what it ends up looking like. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, that's and that's what I tell him. I'm like, I don't want you to open up because you won't be able to see it. You know, so I kind of showed him a couple ways. So he you know opened up the first time and he saw, oh yeah, I, I can't see. You know when the guy's coming from, and I go well, now we use defensive shuffle. You know where you're going to insert. It just opens up for you, and it, and it became yeah. it, was, it was literally like bing, the light clicks on. Yeah, coach, that's easy, and it was just natural yep. from there. So I mean, it's it's a great coaching point. I think it's and it's like you said. There's there's so many times I think coaches just overlook it. You know, just oh, he's a good athlete. He'll he'll be able to figure it out. Well, sometimes they can't. You know, I just think it's a simple, easy coaching point, and keep it the same. We're teaching everything exactly the same. Yeah, it's the same block. You would you just use the same footwork. Well, coach, we're we're running up a, a little over an hour, which is fine. But uh, want to respect everyone, you know, respect your time. But la- last question, I always love to ask is, uh, and I'm excited to, to hear it from you. But um, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line, coach? Yeah, you know, I um, I've heard this question a million times on the podcast. So I've had a little time to think about it. Um, I think one, and and there are a million really good answers that y'all have already gotten from people. Um, but one thing that I find if I'm watching another team's offensive line and I see consistency of technique on mm-hmm. certain blocks, you know, like if every time there's a three technique and they're running whatever it is. It could be a wing T team. It could be a spread team. Doesn't matter. But if all the linemen, every time they have to make that same block or that same double team, use the consistency of footwork and hand usage, are they using the half, you know, the shoulder, top of the shoulder? Are they using one hand, two hands? Doesn't matter. But when it's consistent among all players on that type of block throughout the game, you know you're playing a team that's, that's been really well coached. Um, I think that's one of the main things. Um, I think another thing is just how they get in a stance. Um, you know, two-point stance, three-point, four-point, it doesn't matter. But again, if it's consistent, if the guys have consistent stances the entire time, um, you know also you're playing a team that's been – that's been really well coached and, and knows what in the heck they're doing. You know, we, we played John Curtis in the state championship game two years in a row and they're a split back veer team. And uh, I mean, their guys are like clockwork getting set on the ball and every single one of them looks like a clone in their stance. Now we would never use that stance, you know, but their stance works for them and it's consistent. And they all do the same thing. And so you know you better strap it up when you play a team that's consistent through all those things. And I think that's 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 what I look for when I'm watching another team's O-line, aside from all the other things guys have said. You know, the nasty, violent effort and pursuing the ball and all that kind of stuff. 
And then to top it all off, if they have a Crowther sled in their end zone, you may as well just go pack the bus back up. You're 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 in trouble. If they got that too, you can just you can just forget about it. Coach, man, I think you got a, a ton of great insight, and and obviously you're speaking uh, topics that are near and dear to to our heart, and it, it's been. It's been super awesome to be able to uh, to connect with you and, and, and share some ideas and, and hear some of your expertise and, and be able to tweak some of the things that we do. So I think it's, you know, this conversation has been kind of a testament of, of what, you know, RTP is all about, you know, finding perfect strangers that, that have things in common and, and be able to, to hopefully improve each other's program any way we can. No doubt. I really appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, I mean, what a great profession. I mean, I've never even met you two guys, but I feel like we're long lost buddies, you know, so it's, well, uh, if I get, it's awesome if I get, and I love what you guys do. If I get down in the bayou, uh, coach, you better believe I'm looking you up, man. It's been a blast. Come on, we'll get some, we'll get some crawfish and fried seafood. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.